You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant, and I'm so happy and thrilled to have you back with us, Pamela Romney Openshaw. We're so excited to be together again. We've done several shows in the past. You can find those on carolyngrant.podcast.com or go to joycoachingamerica.podbean.com. This is also airing on Loving Liberty Radio Network, Saturdays at noon. This show will be aired on August 14th at noon, Mountain Standard Time. And so if you're here, it's because you're listening live. We're so excited to have you here, Pamela. And I just would love for you to come back and share with our audience a little bit about you. You are an incredible woman. You have done so many wonderful things in your life. And my favorite thing about you, I think, is that you said to me on one particular radio show that at 65, God gave you a new mission, calling, and purpose to study the Constitution. And at that point, you wrote books and materials. And so we'd like to start right there with you sharing more about yourself. Well, thank you. That was a nice introduction. Yes, um, we returned from an 18-month church assignment in Italy and were prompted to start studying the Constitution. And so I did begin a new life crusade there. And the more I studied, the more I found I wanted to teach other people. So I ended up writing first a book and then two additional books to go with it to turn it to a home uh, study course used by homeschoolers across the country, but also by senior citizens who want to become more familiar or anyone that wants to know more about the Constitution. That's my love. I absolutely love talking about the Constitution. It's become this kind of crush in my heart. You know, it's this teenage <laughs> crush, only it's deeper and more meaningful than that. But I love the Constitution. I love studying the period of the Revolutionary War and the Revolutionary Era when we created the Constitution of the United States. And so, yeah, it's it's been great. It's been a challenge to undertake something at that point in my life, but at the same time, it's introduced so much excitement. So the name of my book is Promises of the Constitution, and you can go to my website, which is Promises of the Constitution, and see the three books I've created there and also three additional DVDs that I've created. And I would love to have people become familiar with that. Yes, and listen to the podcast. And so exciting, the things that we've been able to talk about in the past together, hearing about the founding fathers, the founding mothers. You've covered so much amazing material on these radio shows. So today, share with us what you're going to be delivering the message you have to deliver today to our listening audience. Well, Bob and I have traveled the country telling people about the Constitution for years now. And one of the core concepts that I've been presenting to people is that there are some key issues that we need to understand in order to be free. The concept of law is such a powerful concept because the law foundations everything that we do. And so a lot of people live their lives without giving any thought to the law. They just figure that everything will continue to go on as it should. But the key point is that we need to maintain the law and that requires some attention on our parts. And also if that law becomes confused or distorted, 
it can begin to affect the things that happen to us in our everyday lives. And so as I began studying the Constitution, I saw that connection with the law. And it, it's been a joy to me. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to talk about three things that I've discovered and have taught people that have a great deal to do with our everyday lives. And those three concepts are that our liberty and our morality are intertwined and you cannot separate those two. Uh, the second concept is that in order for you to have liberty and to be free, you must keep government limited and government must stay close to you so that you can exercise influence in it. And the third concept is that rights must be balanced by duties. So let's talk a little bit about how uh, America came into being. It, it was such an exciting process. I, I do a lot of reading and studying, and I have discovered what Europeans thought about Americans as we began to create this wonderful nation of ours. And there are three words that just kept coming into being. The words bold, fresh, and raw. These were the ways that Europeans were describing Americans. They were saying they're bold, they're out there, they're creating their new society, they're creating a new world. Their ideas are creative and they're doing different things. There's your freshness, you see. But this rawness came from the fact that the women were not powdering their hair and putting on makeup and wearing fancy dresses and the like. They were out there in the fields working with the men. These were people literally chopping down trees in front of their houses and planting crops right up to the front door and inventing the toothbrush and all wow. the Wow. Of things like that. And it just, it was an energetic and it was an involved society and it, it was just fun. So um, as people began moving then into this concept of freedom and how do we create a nation? How do we, how do we deal with ourselves? We had 13 colonies that emerged and each one of them had its own personality. Religion was at the core of a lot of those personalities. And so there were different religious beliefs. And, and basically the same core principles, but different religious beliefs. But each colony developed its own personality. And the colonies were very unique and intrinsic. They were not out trying to mix and mingle with each other. So um, they each became their own community yeah. with their own yes. flow and flair. And, and they were defensive of their colonies. Mm. Uh, and so when the decision came to move into the Constitutional Convention, this was a big step for those states because they were saying, wait a minute, we don't want to give up our own individuality. Well, they had, the, yes, they had their own authenticity. And, yes. and then, then now they were going to have to merge that and become a family. And, and how, how were we going to do that? You see, that question was so huge. But the concept that they needed to unify actually came to them in 1754 to Benjamin Franklin. And it came from the chiefs of the Iroquois or Iroquois nation six wow. tribes that had united together we should talk about that in one of our in one of our uh, that would be fascinating oh, i would just, love that that's so exciting anyway they introduced to him the concept that we should unify because they used that analogy of the sticks put together and you cannot break them an individual stick you can break but when you put them all together so that they're unified in purpose then you cannot break these sticks so um, we then moved into, of course, the revolution, the Declaration of Independence, which set the foundation for what the nation was. So if you're going to create a, a nation, it has to be a legal entity. It has to be viable in the world because it's going to be interacting with a lot of other countries. 
And so there were some things that had to happen in terms of legal process in order for us to be viable. And some of those things that needed to transpire actually occurred in the, in the Declaration of Independence. We had to state what the objections were. And we did that in the declaration. You had to state who your who your authority figure was. And the declaration mentions in four different places that God is our authority. You have to state who the entity is that's moving forward. Well, that was the, the people of the 13 colonies. So we drafted the Declaration of Independence under penalty of treason from Great Britain. Those who signed the Declaration of Independence could lose their lives. They could be taken back to England and they could be tried and executed there. And then, of course, after we finished the Revolutionary War, we did the, the Articles of Confederation, which was our practice attempt at government that did not work. And then finally, we moved into the Constitution of the United States, where we established the other half of the legal process that, that, that tied together with the Declaration of Independence. And we established what our laws were actually going to be and that the people were the ones who were going to be in charge. And we established through that Constitution Christian principles that underlie everything to do with our freedom and that are written all the way through the Constitution of the United States. I love this. This is so vital right now, don't you think, oh, for all of us yes. to be reminded of this and the what it took for these 13 colonies to come together and merge their personalities and, and find their in common love of God yes. and then create laws that they could all agree on. Yes, it was. And the individuals who made these decisions were powerful individuals in their own rights and entities throughout the colonies. And you had, um, we talked about this in one of our previous get-togethers, we had Samuel Adams motivating for freedom in the northern states, and you had Patrick Henry motivating for freedom in the southern states. And then we pulled together all of these marvelous individuals that came into the Constitutional Convention and drafted our laws. And they were following the principles that they had read about coming from those who were very much creating new political ideas over the last two centuries. And the founding fathers pulled those materials, brought them all together in the Constitution of the United States and created this document. So I believe it's critically important for all of us to know that the law of the United States, I believe that we should all read and study the Constitution. Well, I love this. I think that this is so vital and so important right now, especially, you know, I do not remember in political science having to study the Constitution. And that was in college in Long Beach, California. And I think, you know, you've taught classes in this and I'm excited. Have you ever considered teaching more classes on the Constitution? Oh, I would absolutely love to do that. I've had uh, health issues that have prevented me from getting involved in that, but I believe that that I, I've, I've used my book. My book is written in one and a half page segments, and I outline all of the things that we've been talking about here, and I go through the Constitution, and I identify the enemy to the Constitution. So at this point in time, my teaching would have to come through my materials. Well, then we'll just continue doing more <laughs> radio shows because... This is so wonderful for all of us to glean from the wealth of information that you, Pamela, have studied and put your whole heart into it. I love that you refer to it as a crush and the, the passion that you have that is so contagious. We're so excited to have you here with us again today. And we'll be right back after the following messages. This is Karen Lynn Grant, and we're Joy Coaching America.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and joy coach, Karen Lynn Grant. Thank you for joining us on Joy Coaching America. I am honored to have Pamela Romney Openshaw with us today. We are so excited to learn at your feet, Pam. It is wonderful the things that you're sharing. It's refreshing. It's refreshing to hear truth and it is it is enlivening to the soul to hear the concepts that you are sharing and teaching in such a beautiful way. So as we step into this next segment, you're going to be talking to us about three very important things that honors each one of our citizenship here in America. So please just jump right in. Thank you very much. Um, I, I want to talk with you for a minute about the concept that freedom and morality, speaking of morality in the broader sense of always doing what is right, those two concepts are absolutely intertwined. Because if you don't have liberty, you cannot uh, exercise moral behavior. But if you're not being moral, you will lose the right to live the law. And so the two of them become partners. It's it's really a core concept of the fact that God, all law has to incorporate the principles that God has given us to live by. Otherwise, you're not going to have good law. If you don't have, if you don't bring God's principles into law, then you're going to have to fall back on man's principles. And man just doesn't turn up with very good principles. We, we find things that are temporarily satisfying and that don't work in the long term. And too much conflict and opinion, right? Yes. Yeah, it becomes me against you and against they. And, and nothing really ever works there. So we want to bring those Christian principles in. We want to have honesty and integrity and justice and order and organization. And we want to be able to provide for our safety and security and, and to live with prosperity and to be able to work to create our own worlds. And we want to be able to have our own choices about government and be able to determine which laws govern us. And that's really what motivates us. Oh, yes. If If we don't have that, nobody's motivated to be about their dreams, to be about creating success for themselves, which ends up helping everybody to flourish. Exactly, exactly right. And so if we start bringing man's principles into law, we have to basically wipe God's principles out. And so a much better place to start is to start with God's principles. And those are written throughout the Constitution of the United States. One of the things that has been so immensely satisfying to me is to go through the Constitution and look for those God-given principles. And maybe we can talk about that on another radio program. I would love that. exciting to do that. So the concept is that God and government are natural partners. So we talk about right and wrong, salt and pepper, boys and girls. There are two things that go together in a pair. Well, God and government go together as well because of this very concept that freedom is dependent on the moral status of the individuals. And yet, when the, when the founders drafted the Constitution, they separated religion from the law, because the two really shouldn't mix. Each one has its own world. The law will incorporate Christian principles if it's wise, and this is good and great, and and they'll be able to work together in a harmony, but they don't work simultaneously. They don't work together in a partnership. They just each accept and respect the other. 
And so that's written into the Constitution of the United States. We have it in the First Amendment. We also have it at the very end of Article 6 in the Constitution that there'll be no religious test. And so, and there are a couple of other places in the Constitution where there are references to God, Christian pro, pro, policies and God's policies. But what we have evolved to through the years and it now is that we are we are saying instead of keeping government out of God's matters, we are saying that we should keep God's matters out of government. Well, that's a violation of the very principle that I'm teaching here. That separation of church and state was put there to protect the religions from government intervention, not to protect the government from bringing any religious policies and principles into play. In fact, we actually have people today who say that you should not legislate morality. And I listen to that and I go, Mm, I don't think you're thinking that through very carefully. Every law says it's okay to do this, and by inference that it's not okay well, to do this. Well, that leads to anarchy. Yeah. And so it, this is why we have uh, speed laws that tell us how fast we can go. This is why we have laws that say you can't haul or fire in a crowded theater. Um, this is why we, we they're just bankruptcy laws and such things as that, those all say it's right to do this and it's wrong to do this. And so we actually want to incorporate religious principles into the law without bringing the religion itself into the law. Does that make so, sense? So non-denominational Christian principles that everybody can abide in, and that is how the 13 colonies set themselves up. They might not have been the same religions, but they all believed in the same God. Yes, and the same principles coming from that God. So one of the great enemies that we have to this whole concept of, of, uh, of, of freedom and morality being intertwined is the concept of political correctness. I've watched this develop through the years, and it's become a very oppressive principle because uh, political correctness basically says that we cannot identify what is right and what is wrong. We need to allow every person their space and allow each person to think what he or she wants to do. And we're no longer saying, hey, you know what? There are some things that are wrong and there are some things that are right. And so we, we kind of have to be careful with that. I mean, it, it's, it's, an, it's just it's a negative principle that can go to strange places. Well, you can take concept. anything to an extreme. Yes. And, and, and that is what we see happening. And so. Um, once we understand the concept that we have to bring right principles into the law, then we understand the importance of having a God and worshiping that God in the culture and allowing that to be a free part of what we do in our nation. And this is why in our First Amendment, we say we, we are identifying it. These first 10 amendments are called the Bill of Rights. We are identifying the fact that we have freedom of religion. We get to decide for ourselves the kind of religion that we want to practice, but we need to also allow other people to have those same religions. Absolutely. So one of the things that I've seen uh, working its way into the culture as I've been writing, and I brought this into my book, Prince, uh, Promises of the Constitution, is the development through our culture of what is called secular humanism, which is a, a belief in relationships between human beings and a system of 
quote, right and wrong being developed that does not involve God, that's based solely on the benefits of man's knowledge and what science says and such things as that. And, and that's becoming a determining factor in our society. And it's driving God out of a lot of what we're talking about in in government. And as more and more people embrace this concept of secular humanism, we're finding the law becoming more and more invested with God, with, excuse me, not with God. We found our culture more and more invested with what people say, what man says, and the kind of law that he develops. Well, that's a little scary. <laughs> well, it is. And the more you study it, as I, I think of it often as I sit and listen to the news at night, uh, and the principles that are being brought in. And I think, you know what? We are straying into that area of man's law way too much. And we need to stay with the principles of God's law. It really breeds confusion. You know, it, it really does. does. And I, I appreciate so much your willingness to speak up and to speak out about this and to help clarify. And one of the reasons, one of the ways that we can tell truth is it feels good to our spirit. Yes. It doesn't cause disruption in our soul. And even as I listen to you, it makes so much sense. It's organized. It's clarity. It's beautiful to my heart because it's truth and truth is reason and truth is eternal and unchanging. You know, that that's so true. If we invest ourselves in in living moral and upright lives and in trying to do what is right, then when we hear those principles, they will register in our hearts as being true. It's one of the great safety factors that each one of us has in our lives, that we have that, that natural sense that tells us what is right and what is wrong. That's beautiful. And I just am excited. Do you have any classes that you can teach via podcast on like a step-by-step -step workshop? on the Constitution. Interesting that you asked that because at on my website, I have a series of, I believe it's 25 podcasts where I teach all the principles, well, not all, <laughs> but many of the principles involved in the Constitution. And I would advocate any individual that wants to learn that to go to my website and go to the podcast link and they will find uh, the, the podcasts are about maybe 20, 25 minutes long. Well, that's exciting. And I love your book and the short synopsis that just give everybody a feel and spread the contagion, the enthusiasm for learning about what made America great. This is Carolyn Grant. We're Joy Coaching America with Pamela Romney Openshaw and Carolyn Grant. Welcome. To the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. We're back, Joy Coaching America with Karen Lynn Grant and Pamela Romney Openshaw. Today, Pamela has just shared her generous offer that you can go to her website and listen to 25 podcasts on the Constitution that she has created. And this woman is so knowledgeable. 
She has studied and given her life since the age of 65 to study and to implement and to teach and to share and to educate and edify all of us. Because I don't know how all of your educations were, but I know that I'm hearing things today that I have never heard before. And I absolutely love it and appreciate your areas of expertise, Pam. Thank you. So I would like to, through this segment of the radio program, to discuss again what I feel is one of the key concepts that a lot of people are not quite focused on where government is concerned. And that is the fact that in order for you to maintain your liberty, government has to be kept limited and it has to be kept close to you. And we begin seeing all kinds of implications in the power coming from the federal government as we begin to entertain this concept. So I'll introduce uh, with a statement made by George Washington as he talked about government. He said, it, it is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. What George Washington was saying is that government is power. Government is the ability to force individuals to do things. And because that's the case, we need to be very careful about what kind of government we put into place because that government has the ability to force us to act. And so the way our founding fathers dealt with that issue was they take, took this huge entity of power. See, this is one of the major functions of government is to exercise power. So the very thing that can get you in trouble is the very thing that they're charged with. So you have this huge entity of power and, and all of the, um, the force that goes with it that you can make people do things. And in order to keep that force, that power from becoming oppressive, what the founders decided to do is to divide it up, to cut it up and pass out the pieces and give power to different entities throughout government. So they began doing that with our three systems of government, or excuse me, our three areas of government that we have in the United States, which are legislative, executive, and judicial. And so in cutting up this power entity, they gave part of the power to the legislature. You get to make the laws. Now, we have the House and the Senate work together. They have to agree on a law before it goes forward. And so that's your part of the power issue. You get to make the laws. Then we have the executive, and his part is to enforce the laws. Um, he has other functions as well. He has to protect us from foreign entities and such things as that, but he mainly enforces the law. And then with the judicial system, they get the part of power that says you get to analyze when needed any law and see if it matches what we decided upon in our constitution and what we ratified. Mm. And so by what a good explanation. Isn't That's that a wonderful? beautiful explanation. So you take these three entities and you give each one of them a piece of power. And so long as each one of them does only what it's supposed to be doing, then you keep power under control. If they all, if, if you abandon those principles and you allow any one entity to be in charge of all of that, you have the definition of tyranny. So it's very important that we divide up the power and we put checks and balances into the system. I was just going to say, this, this yes. is where the checks and balances come yeah. in. To make sure that you stay where you're supposed to stay. Now, in our government today, we have abandoned some of these principles and that's causing problems. But to move on further, we also took power and we divided it in another way. The Constitution of the United States is designed to tell us what the federal government is supposed to do. It's supposed to control interactions between the states 
and control the interactions of our country with other countries in the world. And that's mainly what the Constitution of the United States does. So we've invested part of the power structure there. You get to exercise this kind of control. But then we move down to the states and we give the states part of the power issue. The states are mainly involved in what happens inside the state, what happens in your everyday lives. That's what the states are involved in. Like those 13 original colonies, right? (laughs) that's right. 13 and now we have 50 of them. So the state has the things that it does and it delegates power down to the county level. So there's some things that are done at the county level. One example of that would be a county sheriff who enforces the law throughout the county. That's an example of the power that's passed down to the county. And then finally, you have power passed down to the individual communities, and they interact as well. So you have the power divided between the three houses of government and the power divided between the federal government reaching clear down to the communities. And so long as everybody abides by those laws and principles, so long as everybody does what it's supposed to do, everything works out well. The problem we have is that in our culture, we've kind of gotten uh, kind of apathetic and used to government and and the laws they're drafting are complicated and nobody can understand a 2000 page law. and, And we have all of these things going on. And so people are not paying attention to what's happening to government as well. And they're not properly supervising that situation. And so government can get out of control. And it's very, very easy for people to think, well, we'll let the politicians handle uh-huh. it and I'm just going to go you know, do my own thing. Uh-huh. And, and what does my voice really count anyway? Yes, exactly. I, I'll have to tell you what one of our son-in-laws told us about one of his best friends. Is, this friend is named Doug. And he said he and Doug were talking about uh, politics and the government and law once. And Doug said to him, you know what? I don't really care what's happening in government so long as they leave me alone and let me watch Monday night football. And I thought, this is the kind of thing we're talking about. <laughs> this is fast asleep. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> oh, that. Because you could end up losing a lot in the process of trying to watch football on Monday That's night. right. And be completely, completely oblivious as you're rooting for your team. And yet we, we just have to work against that in our culture. We have to be sure that we don't dissolve into this uh, puddle of apathy and we don't pay attention. Well, this is what I loved about you sharing the conviction and the conversion of the founding fathers and the founding mothers in shows we've done before, because it seems like everybody felt a responsibility and a commitment to making America great. Whereas now we look and wait for somebody else to do it. And then when it's too late and we realize we really didn't like what that person's doing, it's a little bit too late. We should have studied a little bit harder when we checked that box on the ballot. Yeah, we get upset and we're and we're not really paying very much attention. It's it's a it's kind of a national malady, but it's a correctable malady. We just need to talk about it and people need to understand. And I think it's beautiful do. what you're doing because the spirit of patriotism can be contagious. It oh, is contagious. Yes, 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 very much. So share with us. This morality principle, the morality, I love that. Yes, yes. Actually, so if you take these three principles that I've talked about, so you, you maintain your morality as individuals, you continue to live principles of wisdom and truth, and then you, you work hard to keep government close to you and to keep it limited. 
and to divide that power entity and you supervise that process, then we can keep a great many of the things that are going muck in our society today under control. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in our next segment because we're going to talk about rights and how they balance out with duties, how rights and responsibilities are connected to each other. Well, I think it's beautiful and I'm excited to hear and to be reminded uh, that what made America great was the conviction of those 13 original colonies to create one nation under God mm -hmm. and that we don't want to let him out. We don't want to become an atheistic society. We want to honor, and this is his country, this is his land, this is his land of promise. And so as we close up this segment, Pam, share with us uh, anything that you'd like to that can lead us into the next. Well, I'd, I'd encourage people to go to my website and look at the materials that I provided there because as I wrote my book, Promises of the Constitution, all of it written in one and a half page segments so it's easy to digest. It, it makes it very easy for people to understand our law. So give us that website address one more time. Promisesoftheconstitution.org. And on that website, she's got beautiful materials that you can use for homeschooling. Yes. And, at, and we can homeschool ourselves, moms and dads, and teach our families. Her book is beautiful and easy to understand, written in such a way that it's not confusing. It's not a 2,000-page bill <laughs> that, we, that we don't really understand. It is never. beautiful. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here and Thank have you. you sharing this. And we are going to take a station break, and then we'll be back learning more about our duties as citizens of this great nation. We're Joy Coaching America, Carolyn Grant and Pamela Romney Openshaw. To Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America. I'm here with Pamela Romney Openshaw, and now we're going to talk about the rights and duties that we all have as delegated by God rather than passed down through the government. So Pamela, join me here and share with us something that is absolutely carrying on the contagion that ignites that feeling of patriotism in all of us. Thank you. Um, so when we look at government and what its functions are, um, there are several key concepts, one of which is that government is to keep you safe and another one of those is that it is to protect your rights. So the concept of rights is something that I think most Americans are pretty familiar with. We know that there are uh, rights mentioned in the Constitution of the United States. In fact, that's what the Bill of Rights is at the end of the Constitution. But Karen has made a critical point on this, that the, our rights come to us not from government. 
They are not delegated to us by government. They cannot be taken away from us by government. We have rights because we are children of God. We are born onto this planet. And by virtue of that action, we have rights as individuals that need to be held inviolate. This is why we call them inalienable rights or unalienable rights is because they, they, they are not things that can be taken away from us. But in connection with that, we'll talk about the duties connected with that. But first of all, let's talk about the rights. So if we want to determine what rights we have as individuals under God, we can look at any process, any reasoning process that we want to go through based in Christian principles that gives us things that make our lives better, that improve our morality, and that strengthen us as individuals. Um, certainly, you can find lists of those rights, places, and those are very interesting. But we find uh, some of them mentioned in the Bill of Rights. So in the First Amendment, we have our freedom of religion. We have our freedom of speech, our freedom of the press, our freedom of assembly, our right to petition the government. We have in the Second Amendment our, our right to possess arms so that we can protect ourselves under any circumstance. We have the right to privacy. We have the right the rights that come to us when we go into any court of law so that our, our rights and our perspective will be heard and that we will be protected and preserved under those circumstances. We have the right to create our own system of government. This is agency in government. It's one of the Christian principles that we get to make those decisions. And we make those through the people that we elect who then go into our legislature and create laws while we supervise them to be sure that we agree with the laws that they are creating. But we also have other rights that are not mentioned anywhere in the Constitution, such things as your right to pick your occupation, your right to pick your spouse, to decide how many children you're going to have, and a whole host of other things. We also have some rights that are very much under attack right now, and I think we need to mention those as we're, as we're talking. For instance, we have the right to our own individual space, the space that we create in our homes, in our communities, the space that we create in our nation. And this is why many of us are upset about the people who are flooding across our southern borders without any infringement or without any attempt to legalize the process. They are invading our space, the space that we have created by our laws and by our sacrifices and by our forefathers and what we're trying to create for our posterity. That space is being invaded. And and so we need to protect that. We also have the right to be safe within our society. We're seeing movements to defund the police. Well, the, the government cannot protect us if we don't have individuals to enact the protection. Right. And so There's we're very anarchy. concerned about that. We're also concerned about the possibility that um, our right to possess weapons might be taken away from us that in our uh, commitment to morality and doing that which is right, we will use those weapons appropriately under our circumstances. And so we, would, we don't want to see that right taken away from us. And another one that's key right now with the COVID-19 is our right to determine for ourselves without someone else interfering what will go into our bodies. We have the right to decide what will go into our bodies. The, the government does not have the right to insist that or should not have the right. And so that is a right uh, specifically delegated to each one of us. And how do you, where does that right fall? How do we support that right? 
I think the first thing we need to do is speak up and we need to start supporting the people who are working in that behalf. We need to become aware of the science involved in that so that we can begin speaking out. Yet just yesterday, I called my representative, my, my state representative to the Utah State Senate, and I told him my feelings on this topic. And about an hour and a half later, I received a call back from him and I was able to voice to him my concerns and find out where he stood on the issue and where our state legislature stands on that issue. That's the kind of thing that we need to be doing. And so that moves us right directly into talking about the duties that we have as a result of the rights that God has given us and that we are living with. So we, we are never in life that I know of given something without there being something that we need to get back. So if we're being given by God all of these rights uh, to, to act as we choose and to do the things that we think are right, we've got a payback that we need to pay on that. Right. So, and for the next generation. Yes, for the, and for our own generations, mm -hmm. even for ourselves going from day to day. So among the responsibilities that we have or the duties that we have in connection with those rights, we need, to, um, we need to allow other people to have their rights. So if, if I'm going to have my rights, then I need to allow you to have your rights. Now, that always needs to filter through those Christian principles that determine truth. But we need to allow rights to others as well. Another thing we need to do is we need to be paying a lot of attention to what's going on in government. Absolutely. We need to know the laws that are being passed. We need to know what the people we elect are doing. Uh, we need to know the forces that are working to undermine as well as the forces that are working to support. Um, we need to vote very appropriately. We need to become aware of who the individuals are that we're voting for. I heard one lady say, and it made me chuckle in a sad sort of way. She said, I determine who I'm going to vote for by the number of signs I see on the way to the voting booth. Oh, dear. And that's who I vote for. And so, and yet there are people in America today who are doing that or, or who are choosing to not even vote. We have the responsibility to supervise government. We don't have to make it our life's crushing burden or anything like that, but we need to be paying attention. It feels like it's part of our citizenship to honor and to respect what our forefathers went through to give us a free nation, yes. one nation under God, and then to carry that on, to carry that torch, each one of us has a responsibility and a duty. Well, I think about Benjamin Franklin when he came out of the Constitutional Convention at the conclusion of the drafting of the Constitution. A woman called out to him from the audience and she said, Dr. Franklin, what have you given us? And his reply was, a republic if you can keep it. And there's your Profound. concept. Is that we have to be willing to keep that. But there's a third thing that we can do that I think is critical, and that is that we can get involved when I say this, I sometimes see people kind of flinch back a little because I think that they think that I'm telling them that they need to get involved in every issue that's going on in the country. None of us can do that. That's beyond all of us. Well, we all have different battle posts. If exactly. we can find the thing that we feel passionate about, for instance, you feeling this beautiful crush on the Constitution <laughs> yes. and wanting to just study that and and God supporting you in your passion to write books and to create homeschooling materials. If each one of us could find something that we're passionate about, something to defend. So I kind of call this a, a 
pick a pet project. Um, <laughs> like that. You can you can look around about the things that are going on in our society and things that you're not comfortable with or things that you feel like you need to be more educated in. You just need to pick one, just something that matters to you. And then just research it. Keep your, eye, your ear tuned to the ground. Keep your eyes open when you're on the computer. Start listening to what's going on in the news with that. Start talking to your representatives about that. Start talking to your neighbors and your friends. Just take that one little pet project and make it your thing and and learn about it and grow with it and and for instance uh some people it's the second amendment they feel very strongly about that some, with some it's uh, right to life that's a very important issue mm-hmm. for them for some it's the possibility of mandatory vaccinations they're concerned about whatever it is pick your thing and then as another really critical part we need to teach our families, but we can take all of this and we can wrap it into the same thing. So you pick your pet project and then you bring it to the dinner table when you're sitting talking at night or on Sundays or whenever. And you say, hey, what do you think about this? I've been studying this. What do you think of it? And you just open that topic up and you let your family begin to talk about that at the dinner table. And then you are teaching them. You're conveying them to, to them the need to be involved in this you're also going to do something else because you're going to find out how your children feel. And that's going to give you the opportunity to either help correct or to uh, strengthen whatever's going on. You're going to find out more about what's going on in the school system, what's going on with your friends. And so you then have not only been teaching and expanding yourself, but you've been teaching and expanding your children. You're teaching them, hey, I want to have my ticket project. You're setting an example. (laughs) And I have to tell you, as you're sitting here with me, I'm getting so excited because I think that this is absolutely wisdom to encourage our listening audience to find one thing that you feel passionate about. Go become an expert at that thing. Write your message. Deliver your message to the appropriate people. Find your audience. Write your blog. Create your book. Do what it takes to share your passion. And that is what you've done. You're a tremendous example of that. And that's very exciting. I love Pamela Romney Openshaw's Pick a Pet Project for (laughs) Patriots of the United States of America. I love it. Give us a winding up (laughs) statement, Pam. Well, thank you very much. I would would love to have the opportunity to share my materials with you. Please go to my website, which is promisesoftheconstitution.com. And let me share additional things that I've learned with you. There are so many awesome principles of the Constitution of the United States that just kind of light this fire inside your heart. I love it. I understand this. You are on fire. And I am too. I love this. I want to thank you for taking time. You're in the middle of a home renovation. I am so grateful that you and your husband took time to be with me today. Thank Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Pam. We're so grateful. We're Joey Coaching America. Everybody go out and pick your pet project and rise up to your patriot, your patriot skills and areas of expertise. This is Carolyn Grant, Joey Coaching America. Mm-hmm.